one of the huge attractions is that I had always seen homeless people and I didn't know how to help them. And then this came up and I'm like, wow, this is touches all those points. And how lucky am I that I get to work hard at this and help others because I've been given so much. I feel like it's been, I've been the one that's benefited more than anybody. Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. Marty Casey is the president of the board of directors for Doni Co Pet Clinic. She's a dynamic and committed woman working toward better health care for the pets of homeless people throughout Seattle. The team of Doni Co Pet Clinic matches the needs of local animals and free veterinary clinics in Seattle. Welcome, Marty Casey. So glad to have you here. You are president. President of the Board of Directors for Doni Co Pet Clinic. I am so glad to have you here. You were recommended by somebody here at the station we love, and I love what you're doing. Thank you, Lori. I am so excited to be here, and I'm so glad I get the opportunity to talk with you. A little bit about Doni Co Pet Clinic. Yes, we are a nonprofit, registered nonprofit organization. Our mission is to support the human animal bond because we believe everybody can have that bond with their companion animal or pet. And we do it through delivering veterinary care and we deliver comprehensive veterinary care, which I can explain, but to people that are either homeless or very low income and cannot afford the veterinary care for their animals. I think many of us have been walking around downtown and seeing people with their dogs. And we've wondered how do they get care? How do they go to a vet? Because we know when we go to a vet, it can be very expensive. And that's how the clinic started 35 years ago with Dr. Doni, is he had that thought when he was uh, walking around Pike Place Market. Like, How do these people that can't afford to take care of themselves take care of their pets? I love that. I work with the homeless in Everett. And often you'll see a woman who has a dog and she can't get housing because she doesn't want to part with the dog and people that don't understand that bond judge easily and say, well, if she would just give up her dog or foster it. And it's not as easy as that. When you look at people who have been homeless and on their own, and that's their only connection. Companion animal. It's, it is family. The pet is a family member and many, many of our clients will take better care of the pets than themselves. The majority of them will. I understand when people say, oh, they have so many animals. We think everybody should have a pet because we think it can help people become more responsible. It creates a drive for safe shelter. I don't know how many people I've talked to that said that they've stayed sober and straight because they wanted to be able to take care of their pet that companion that is just, they have so much love for. We do require spay neuter for all of our clients because we do want every pet to be wanted. And those that aren't willing to spay neuter, we will not take on as clients. Of course, I do want to say that if there is an emergency and somebody comes in and it's almost like the client is our animal first, the animal is first. And we are not going to turn down a, an animal that's in pain because their person doesn't want to abide by the rules. And we also advocate for one pet per household so that they can really have that bond together. And it causes less stress, less mouths to feed. How do you help people? What we do is we provide checkups and we operate at a clinic. And it's except for the fact that sometimes in the past year, we've been outside 
with all the COVID restrictions under tents, it's very much like going, what would happen when you take your animal to the vet. Um, we have veterinarians, they're volunteers from all over the area. We also have a great partnership with Washington State University College of Veterinary Medicine and their students come in and we're really excited about that. We love having them. The pets are seen by a licensed veterinarian at, who is assisted by a licensed vet tech. And we make sure they are up to date on all their vaccines. They have plea treatment, all the preventative things, ear, you know, if they're ear mice or need deworming or all of that preventative. The other thing that we do is we also provide for diagnostic tests. If somebody brings in an animal that's sick, Okay, so a lot of times we can diagnose it and it's something that can be handled with a, a medicine. And other times there needs to be further investigation to see why the pet is clearly not doing well. We partner in the local community, all the other vet, for-profit vet clinics, they give us a nonprofit discount and we send the animals there. So anything that's invasive, such as we are able to do blood testing, but usually is, and we're doing more x-rays now, but there are other things like scans or things of that nature, if there's broken bones that we are not able to do at our clinic. And all of the funding that not all, not a hundred percent, but it's about 95% goes to referrals and the running of the clinic. We don't have an office. I like to call us small and mighty. And then when sometimes I like to call us scrappy because every dollar has an impact because we use it to buy medicines. We use it to buy vaccines and flea treatments and things of that nature. And we are now, which is relatively new for us in the past four years, we started, we buy all of our medicine from a vet supplier. We used to take donations and we would take the donations because, you know, vets would have donations and then people, their beloved pet would pass. And it would be so nice for them to say my, that medication that I spent a lot of money on and it was for my dog can go and help another pet. But we have stopped taking those because we want to make sure that everything that we give to the animals that come to see us is sealed by the manufacturer, top quality, and essentially go back to do no harm. We don't want to have anybody get sick because we gave them the wrong medicine. And we want them to be able to look at that bottle and that full confidence that mm -hmm. this is pure, clean, and safe. If we have diabetic cats or a diabetic dog. I've heard of more diabetic cats and diabetic dogs, so I'm not sure if that's the case. I'm not a vet, so, but sometimes they need monthly medicine we do set up a prescription for them so that it is delivered. If a person is homeless, oftentimes they can get mail at different shelters. They're able to get the mail or they can come to our clinic and pick up the medication. We will have it ready for them. But we continue the care throughout the life of the pet. So what if this homeless person then gets housing? Well, if the homeless person gets housing, we're more than happy to continue helping them we really look at it as an income basis. So essentially anybody in Washington um, and hopefully in the Seattle area, because hopefully they don't need to drive too far, but they can get services. If you qualify for 
food stamps, you would qualify for the free vet care services. It's 200% of the federal poverty level. People have a services card that they can show us or they can show us a social security letter or something along those lines to get the free services. And we hope they do get housing. We help get housing. We'll provide the vaccine proof. Many times we'll see people urgently because they have to get the vaccines because they qualified for housing. That's what we want. We hope they can get that and be safe and warm with their companions. How does somebody donate? I love that question. This is the season of giving or the season of gratitude. People can go to www.donico, and that's D-O-N-E-Y-C-O-E dot org. Every dollar that comes in has such an impact in an animal's life. Please, if you love animals, that's how I got into it. I got my first dog 16, 17 years ago. And she's still here. I had had a cat growing up, but I'd never had a dog. I'd never had that bond. This dog changed my life. I just cared so much about it. I love her so much. I just can't believe that I can love this little creature so much. And here I am today working with people that have that same bond with their animals. So it's really been incredible. I raised my kids with animals and I ended up being a single mom and we ended up having to live in a camper for a while. And people just said, give up your dog. Well, when you have kids who are seven, nine and 12, you don't give up their dog. And people didn't understand the kindest thing happened. Some people that my daughter was in 4-H with fostered our, we had a Newfoundland and they fostered him. Oh, wow. He came home with a cat. <laughs> he fell in love with a cat when he was there. The Newfoundland fell in love with a cat? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They, they became best That's friends. Great. That's great. I know. It hurt me because I felt like I felt judged. People thought, oh, yeah, you can barely afford to feed your kids, but you've got a dog. But they didn't understand the bond. And then I am a firm believer in if you can keep the pet, even when you've had some bad circumstances. It can really make a difference in your children's life, in your life. Like COVID, COVID put people on the streets. Yes. And we have seen that through our services. The need, the demand has grown exponentially. People will come in and they'll say they have this beautiful pet that they love. They'll say, I lost my job two months ago and I don't know what to do now. So we are happy to serve them. We can't meet the demand And that's why we're attempting to get to a point where we can open two more clinics a month so we can see more animals and serve the community more. As far as the bond, I guess I really understand when people say that, that, oh, you should give it up because I know before I had that bond with my little puff, I might've said that. It's something that the unconditional love and the bond that you can have with an animal is almost something I don't think it's believable until you've experienced it. At least that's what I say from my experience. And I also agree with you. It gives you a way to teach children to be responsible and think about somebody other than themselves and to actually make sure that they're fed and that things are clean. They need to be walked, that they take that time to do that. But I also understand the people that say that. And I want to say to you that to all those people that, It's a bond that is hard to explain, and it can be so beneficial for people's health. And we see that the people that do have pets are higher functioning than the people without. 
they have to take care of something else besides themselves. And if with addiction or mental illness, they don't care about taking care of themselves. And the pet does give them that, that responsibility. Yeah. Now working with people coming off the streets, they get clean and sober. Not many houses will take pets. And what I have discovered after being in this for a long time is the women I work with, they can only go so long with their, with their dogs in foster care. They miss them. And I keep thinking there's got to be some interim programs. I know that in Seattle, many of the places will allow pets. We want to work with the city of Seattle so that we make sure that they allow pets that are spayed and neutered mm-hmm. and that they also make sure that the pets are, there's not too many pets in the household so that they can get the care that they need. Because many, many of our clients have housing. And now it may be the tiny houses, I believe the tiny houses let pets. And I would have to do more research to find that because that's really interesting because if you have to give up Mary's shelter, Mary's place I know allows pets. Okay, I'm saying that and I don't know for absolute Mm. sure. So I probably shouldn't, but it's worth checking into. I do believe they do. And they run into when I uh, when I was running a homeless shelter for women, it was a day center and me, I'm an animal lover. So everyone was bringing in their animals. But then you get kids in there who are scared of dogs. And all of a sudden there started to be all these issues. And it was so heartbreaking because trying to figure out how to manage this in a small space when people are just there for a couple of hours. I will do some research to find out which shelters do allow pets because that's a really important question. I know that sometimes if people do get an offer of housing and the pet's not allowed, they will not move into the housing Yeah, because their pet is their family member. That is their family member. And they are a family unit. Exactly. And so, yes, that's, and we hope to be able to work with the city of Seattle on many of these issues. One of the things I've noticed is that when there is an emergency, such as a heat emergency, where we're trying to get people off the streets into a cool place, or conversely, when there is, they need a warm place. Right. We always post the shelters, but I can never find out which ones allow pets into the shelter. And it would be really nice if we could add that to our list. So these are the ones that allow pets because otherwise people aren't going to go in and leave their animal out in the cold or the hot. No, they're not. It's just not. No. Seeing the work you're doing makes me so happy. Uh, I still get calls all the time. So-and-so's got a dog and it's got to go to the vet and we don't know what to do. Send them to Donico Pet Clinic. We can't see them refer sometimes to other organizations, depending on for just vaccines or other organizations and some wellness care we can refer to. But if it's a serious issue, we'll make sure we triage it and get them in as quickly as possible. And then you can hear, I the hear your little girl. There. Yeah. Well, we actually had two mm-hmm. dogs. Our first dog was Puff, Puff Porcini <laughs> Casey. The second one is Sadie Mae Casey. Oh. So she's a, one is a, a, a small mixed between a corgi and a chihuahua is what she oh looks my gosh. like. And the other one is mixed between a chihuahua and a dachshund. Oh so my goodness. That's what that, so they're very cute. And they, they just mean the world to us. We didn't have children and this is my baby. Um, yeah. Both of them are. So, and I have such a bond with them. I did not believe it was possible before it happened. What was the turning point where you said, I think I'm going to get a dog. I was a cat person and my husband wanted a dog. And I didn't really want a dog. So I was very resistant. 
And a friend of ours had this wonderful dog and somebody had said it was half Portuguese Cadengo Pequeno. It's a mouthful. <laughs> and I said, okay, so if we can get one of those, I'll get a dog. Well, I didn't think we'd ever find one here. I'm just like, sure, this is this will take care of it. We did. We found one in New Jersey. <sighs> and so I am from Philadelphia. So I went back at some point to see my family and we went and picked up our little puppy. And it was history. It took me a while, but once we bonded, it took probably nine months. And we can draw conclusions from that, but um, <laughs> it, I was hooked. It mm. was just so much. There has been research that shows that many of the pets of people that are homeless are better adjusted than some pets of people like you say you don't get a pet because you're working so much. But when you leave the house and they're for 10 hours and they're in a crate or they're in a room, they don't have human contact. And all animals want to do is be with their people. That's why they exist. And that's what makes them happy. Also, when people are on the street or in camps or in shelters, they see other people and other pets. So they're better socialized. So it's really interesting. You'll have some really happy animals if the pets are cared for and they get that love and, and care. We hear all the time stories of people who are on their deathbed and somebody gets their dog into them. Or I one time yes. I saw they got the horse into them. And yes. What a beautiful connection. I wonder if sometimes if people are on the streets with an animal, if they're afraid to ask for help because they're afraid maybe animal control will take the dog away thinking they can't take care of it. Like there might be some fear around actually reaching out for help. First of all, Seattle Animal Shelter and Seattle Animal Control are... As you can imagine, they don't have enough people to do what they really need to do. They will not take pets away as long as they are not abused. If an animal is abused, that's where they come in. But if an animal is cared for, they are really supportive of, of having the animals. They are supportive of everybody having a pet that is cared for. Many times animal control officers, if you ever see one, will be happy to refer to Donico Pet Clinic. We have done several Saturday clinics where they also come and they might help us with microchips. So we are a community to provide services to people for their animals. We work with Seattle Animal Shelter. We work with a wonderful organization called Seattle Dogs Homeless. We work with Rainier Animal Fund and Seattle Humane and One Health, which is a fascinating program that provides care for the human and the pet at the same time, not in the exact same room, but at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I would imagine then you have all these resources that people can tap into once they find you. Yes. And I want to say we have resources to tap into, but right now it is not enough. When I say that list, I say, oh my goodness, look at all these great organizations doing this work. And, but it's not enough. And also there's a tremendous shortage of veterinary staffing, which really impacts how many we can serve. It's a challenging time for many reasons. And I know many of our clients are going through challenging times and many of your listeners are going through challenging times. It's a tough time now. Yeah. And when COVID hit and people started working at home, they got animals and maybe they're not used to having animals. So now there's, there is a really a bigger need for vets. When COVID hit, all the fundraisers had to pivot because they couldn't do it in person. And the one thing that I would always say is every little bit helps. I would encourage people, even if you feel like it's not much, 
to give what you can or give regularly because it does add up and every little bit helps. And, you know, maybe you think there's such a big need. I can't give 50 bucks or I can't give 500. But if you could give five a month, that is going to make an impact. Yes. Yes. I can't echo that enough. We have donors. We are so fortunate. You know, I mentioned that we don't have a lot of infrastructure and sometimes our outreach and marketing is not what it should be to gather new donors. But we have some incredibly loyal donors that have just been with us for years and years and years. And they do it by giving five, 10, $25 a month. We are so grateful for them because do you know how much that if somebody gives five, $10 a month, it covers what many animals need for the whole year and vaccinations or flea medicine or something like that. We give really good flea medicine out that lasts for three months. So yes, it's a prescription only. So we do provide that. Yes, every little bit counts because when you think about what the care takes, there are so many items that a healthy animal will need their vaccinations, flea treatment, maybe they need some eardrops once in a while. But that's for healthcare, that's pretty much all they'll need if they're they're healthy. And then of course, when other things come in, like they need dental surgery or they there's a broken bone or something of that nature. It does cost more, but those smaller donations help us to get to the point where we can offer it. We do offer dental procedures because we believe that really improves the quality of life for the animal and it extends their life. At the end of the year, people are, sometimes they need a tax write-off. They want to give away money. When I was driving to work, I was like, if we all called somebody we knew, that had money and said, give to this clinic. Even if we can't give, we can ask people to give. You have a passion for that and you can't give, but you've got grandma who's got tons of money and doesn't know where to donate. Spread the word. Because we do have such a great organization that just has so much impact. And we run by individual donors. We don't have grants coming in. And part of the reason is we haven't applied for grants because we are all volunteer, but also when you do apply for a grant, you're making a commitment to someone and you need to manage the grant, which also takes people. We are small, we are mighty, but Mm. we will do what we say we do. And we will give, deliver high quality, professional veterinary care. We don't believe that income should preclude any animal from living a happy and healthy life. And if you're someone who likes to volunteer, I've been listening to what she's saying and they could use a grant writer that would not only write it, but manage it. Lots of people make cards and then they sit in their back room, donate your cards or volunteer to go and fill out cards, thank you cards to donors because you want to thank your donors, but you don't have the staff because they're all volunteer to do that. You appreciate them, but these are places that people can fill in the gaps and help if they like, say they just say, I don't have the money, but I've got an hour a week. I could come and do something. Yes. And they can go to our website and that's D-O-N-E-Y-C-O-E.org, donico.org. And that's the name of two doctors, Doni and then Dr. Co. We have a page for volunteers and they can send us an email and we would love to work with them and we'll put them to work. There's no question about it. If they would like to donate, we have many donation buttons and we would be very, very grateful for anything. That's so great. And I know that during COVID, 
people wanted to volunteer, but all volunteer opportunities seem to shut down. Well, these yes. kind of volunteer things are things people can do at home to support you. Think about what you have to give, whether it's money, time, talent, whatever it is. Think about if you're a pet lover, this would be a great place to put your end of the year focus to help them so they can help our community and the homeless in our community, the pets that may not get what they need, if not for Donny Co. Yes, that is correct. And we're so appreciative. We really are. And Lori, thank you so much for helping me spread the word here. It's I really appreciate it. And I always say, go volunteer. They go, well, I can't. I'm looking for a job. I go, no, volunteer and you'll get a job. Right, because <laughs> you you'll meet, meet a lot of other people. Exactly. And yes. If you know any veterinarians that might want to volunteer with us, please. We are always looking for veterinarian professionals. And it's an incredibly rewarding experience. So, so. good to know. All animals deserve to be healthy and loved. If you would like to volunteer or donate, go to donico.org. That's D-O-N-E-Y-C-O-E dot org. Donico Pet Clinic is a nonprofit helping homeless people or low-income people be able to take care of their pets so that they can keep that bond they have with the animal. Julia says, it's very hard sometimes to say, I'm low-income and I can't afford vet care for my fur baby. But the staff of awesome volunteers at Donico treat everyone who seeks the help with total respect. The vets care for our babies with such love. I couldn't have my precious Bessie without the Doni Clinic. Thank you all. That's from Julia. Donico.org. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community.